Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christagenia Internet Radio. Today is Friday, July 1st, 2016. We are on the road. We are in Bristol, Tennessee. And tonight we are going to have something a little different. We're going to um, look at several social issues through the lens of the recent Orlando Homocaust, as I've called it. The alleged killing of several dozen sodomites in a nightclub in Florida several weeks ago. Tonight we have Pastor Mark Downey, who also recently wrote an article on this very incident entitled, Horlando Changes Nothing. We have him to join us in our discussion of this um, recent non-event, let me call it. And it, it's... um. It's an event, all right, in, in a different sort of way, and it's indicative of the direction in which our entire society is heading. At Christagenia, we recently um, began work on, on an article about this event entitled, There Is No Pulse, because there was no pulse, and in another way, there is no pulse in the body of Christ. Before we begin, I will introduce Pastor Downey. Hello, Mark. Thank Hello you. Hello again, me. Bill. Thank and you. And in for case being uh, here. people aren't familiar with this news story, the Pulse is the name of uh, gay in quotes uh, nightclub that is in question. Well, well, yeah, where where um, allegedly several dozen sodomites were killed and several other dozen sodomites were injured by a lone gunman with an AR-15. I, I don't... I, I know you may not want to start with this. You'd rather start with your customary prayers, so we'll just move on to that. Very good. Our Father in Heaven, thank you for this time to inform true Israel of the perils that surround us. We can see that your word is sure as things get worse for the blind and the blind guides that lead them into destruction. Grant us the position of being your beacons of light in an ever-growing world of darkness. You have given us your promise. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. In spite of our enemies, we will get through all the wickedness that surrounds our society. We fear only the consequences of doing nothing. We believe the truth shall make your holy people free. May the words of our mouths and meditations of our heart be, in preparing for this message, be a reflection of the divine will and purpose on earth as it is in heaven. May it lead to a great national repentance. In the name of Jesus Christ, our kinsman redeemer, amen. Amen. Thank you, Mark. I um I started this article two weeks ago. It's for the next Saxon Messenger editorial and and the um the theme in the article 
is that there was no pulse that there that this nightclub incident whatever happened and and I will present my opinions momentarily whatever happened is immaterial there is no pulse in the body of Christ we are headed in a direction down the path to Sodom and Gomorrah and we are headed there very quickly the recent I don't want to call it an acceptance, but the forced homosexual agenda over these past five or six years is only going to lead to bigger and better things for the enemies of Christ. And pedophilia and bestiality are next. And I've been saying this for many years now in different podcasts, programs, articles, areas on my website, commentaries. How far deceased is the body of Christ? If the body is, or perhaps was, Christendom, then the latest apparent false flag event at a nightclub in Orlando is certainly ominous. One can plant a finger on its throat, and there is no pulse. And of course, we are not saying that nothing happened at the Pulse nightclub. However, what did happen certainly did not happen in accordance with the way that it has been portrayed. We did a little investigating ourselves of some online real estate records for the building. It is hard to imagine that 300 patrons, a reported 300 patrons, crammed into a bar in a building which has perhaps 4,500 square feet of usable space. That's it. That's a pretty small building by nightclub and restaurant standards for 300 customers. And a man, it's hard to imagine that a man is able to walk into this with a Colt AR-15 and multiple large clips into such a small and crowded club which had only 10 or 12 parking spaces of its own. Completely unnoticed in the middle of a hot summer's night in southern Florida, or a late spring night, which is pretty hot, even though it's not quite yet summer. And CNN reported, and we have the um, the links to the appropriate news articles, CNN reported that the club is a vast open space that was hosting more than 300 patrons, and that people inside the cavernous nightclub described a scene of panic. You know, I went right away to look up the biggest dance club in Panama City Beach. And it's like 40,000 square feet. And that could be described as cavernous. That's almost warehouse-sized. This building is on two floors with a total of 4,500 usable square feet. And that can hardly be described as cavernous. It seems to us that CNN is not really describing the building, which appears in the Orlando real estate records. It's really like they're reading from some concocted, pre-prepared script. Uh, Bill? Yes. I've, I've also heard it reported that it isn't wasn't just one wide-open space but that it was partitioned off into um, Private um, rooms, rooms. Yes. and um, where no doubt um, they would do in private their uh, 
dirty little proclivities. Well, well um, right. Absolutely. It was on two stories. There were private rooms upstairs. It's a former restaurant. And that means that it probably had an area designated for a kitchen. It's also, it's a nightclub, so it has a bar. It has a stage. I've seen pictures of a little stage inside it where a band or play acting would occur. So not half the space is reserved for patrons, which makes it a pretty small space to squeeze the reported 300 people into. I mean, it's possible, but the media reports that this is a cavernous building are just right. a lie. And anybody standing outside of this building, as we saw it on, on Google Street Maps and in the real estate advertisements, in, in the old real, real estate postings for the property, would not describe it as cavernous. It, it's... That, that's besides the point. We were subjected to, and, and we watched them on, on the various mainstream media websites, we were subjected to interviews on the streets outside of the club, which were presumably taped only hours after the shooting began. And in these interviews, quote-unquote survivors told of the horrific event and gave detailed accounts of their own escape. But the accounts of the escapees, as they were described, crawling on the floor around dead bodies, were not accompanied with the appropriately expected images. There was no blood on any of these alleged survivors who had had people shot all around them. And we would expect to see them splattered with blood. And, and Mark, you've been in Vietnam. I, I know that. You have experience with these um, .223 caliber rounds in your M16. These things are, are long, thin, pointed bullets that when they hit bone, they tumble and they tear up all of the flesh that they come in contact with because they're tumbling through the body cavity at 3,000 feet per second. They make massive amounts of bleeding, which is why such a small round is so effective in combat. So right, it's not just been... a straight trajectory. It, uh, as you say, tumbles. Right, Spins. it's not a straight trajectory of a little bullet that can go right through without hitting anything. It's going to hit some bones, some cartilage, something hard, and it's going to tumble, and it's going to tear up massive amounts of internal flesh when it does. And that's the way the bullet's designed. So, so uh, you gotta you gotta wonder where in the heck were the bouncers at this place to let the guy in in the first place? Well, well yeah, right, carrying in so those nagging questions that nobody answered. <laughs> it, it's it's the whole scene is quite ridiculous. The the whole scene and and three hundred and fifty people in in a um in close quarters or 300 people in close quarters because this was actually close quarters this building i mean if you cram 300 people into um 4500 square feet of space where only perhaps half to two-thirds of it as we can guess is um available to the patrons it, it's and probably less than that because of the designated private rooms and other things that you mentioned it, it's going to be a crowded club and somebody pointing this large rifle around when there are crowds around him he, he's not I mean somebody's going to wrestle with him stop him it, it's the whole thing is ludicrous 
Yeah, one of the um, probably one of the better well-known videos floating around the internet uh, of the escapees was two guys carrying their friend um, away from the uh, the scene. Uh, don't know where they're going exactly. You would think they would be going to an ambulance, but there's none to be seen. But um, it was simply a, a photo op because what the media doesn't show you, and this is the guy with the red shoes, uh, they go down the block about uh, halfway, and they let the guy, they stop carrying the guy, and he's perfectly fine, and the other guy starts laughing. Uh, right. They thought they were out of camera range, but actually, the camera kept on rolling. I actually have a copy of that video, but it's on my computer at home. It's not available for... Um posting immediate posting with this podcast i may be able to do it early next week well well, these survivors are relating how they crawled through the floor around all these bodies to get out and they had no blood there was no sign of blood where's the blood if people are being shot all around you with these bullets that cause massive amounts of flesh damage as they're known to do people would be splattered with blood you would if, if the person next to you were hit and and you were anywhere within five feet of them, you should have blood splatters on your on your shirt, on your clothing, whatever. There's no sign of blood on any of the people being interviewed. And and I can we, uh, I can remember a, a news story when I lived back in uh, Washington State. There was a, a mass shooting up in Seattle of a um, uh, Oriental. Um, it was a, like a gambling place or something like that, and uh, and it was called the Y May Massacre, and 13 Orientals were shot. What I remember from that news story vividly uh, at the time was that they said there was a foot of blood. I don't know how uh, close quarters it was, but that always left an impression in my mind that you ventilate somebody with bullets and they're going to drain blood and it's going to be quite a mess. And you would think that anybody who has seen that that's been interviewed on TV would have a little bit more emotion to what they witnessed. A gun, right. The emotion, it, it was all phony. A, a gunshot victim like that should, should shed at least two gallons of blood. 1.8 gallons, I think it is, of blood would expect to be shed. So these people crawling on the floor through these bodies, as they described, who, who had to crawl on the floor through, you know, a whole crowd of people that were shot, a hundred people, supposedly, and and they're all evidently laying on the ground, or at least most of them. The 50 dead ones would definitely be laying on the ground, and at least most of the injured would probably be laying on the ground. And these escapees, these survivors crawling through all these bodies, what we have a potential of 50 to 100 gallons of blood on the floor. Where is it? Yeah. <laughs> Where yeah. is it? It's their clothes that they, they their clothing, they must have been using Scotchgard or something, right? I mean, there's no blood. And and if there's no blood in in a body, there's no pulse. If there's no blood, it's because perhaps there was no pulse. And I say that with, with its dual meaning, referring to the name of the nightclub. And and 
you had mentioned the um, shooting scenes, and, and it's a couple of paragraphs down in, in what I'm presenting, and I'll skip over it when I get to it and present it here instead. You, you know, I have a, a, I'm going to put a picture in this article of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. And, and you could see these men who were shot with big round dum-dum bullets, which do create small holes and, and probably don't tear up as much flesh, but, but they create puncture holes and, and, um, the blood coming from these bodies is visible on the floor, and there are only seven bodies. But if there were a hundred of these, and you had to crawl through them, you're not going to avoid being bloodstained. These seven bodies were published in the Chicago Tribune, along with many other pictures that are online to, these, to this day of the victims of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre in Chicago. That's only one mass shooting, and it's 50 years old. But the point is, or maybe 70, but the point is that once upon a time when the news reporting was real, or perhaps when the news itself was real, the papers actually printed pictures of the crimes. They had no qualms about taking a dozen photos of these dead bodies laying all over the floor of this old warehouse and printing them right in their newspaper. Where yep. today's media, today's media is mostly concerned with political spin and we don't even know if there was a crime. We don't even know. But those pictures of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, where you only have seven bodies, certainly do reflect the horror of a mass shooting, and the paper had no qualms. Here, with the Pulse nightclub, in the initial reports of, of the cleanup the next day, that there were a few pictures of cops and bundles on gurneys, in, in in the CNN reports and other media reports we've seen, but it was nothing like we should expect for a scene of gruesome carnage and 50 dead bodies. The cleanup in the pictures at CNN, they look nearly clerical in nature. We saw one one cop appropriately dressed who was wearing a hazmat suit. All the rest of the cops were wearing slacks and golf shirts and cheap rubber gloves. Is that the way you dress to go clean up 50 dead bodies in a bar that had bled out on the floor overnight? That's not the way you dress to do that. Slacks, a golf shirt, and, and the pair of rubber gloves like they wear at the local McDonald's flipping burgers. I can't imagine well, dressing like that. Not only that, Bill, but with AIDS and STDs in a place like that, well, well, right. I would want a hazmat uniform from head to foot. And, and a fire hose to sweep it all away, right? I mean, right. That there should, You would think that these cops, and I see cops pushing gurneys with nice, clean, white bundles of sheets on top of them, and, and the idea is that there's a body in the sheets, but there's no blood. No blood, in, I didn't see any blood anywhere. In the aftermath, and with little exception, rather than images of blood-soaked victims and survivors, 
Cops, coroner's wagons, and medical emergency workers clearing out dozens of corpses while wearing crimson-stained hazmat suits. That's what we expect to have seen, and we did not. And instead, we were served images of sodomites seeking counseling at a local LGBTQ community center. And in fact, one social justice warrior website, which calls itself Fusion, printed what it claimed were, and we'll have a link to this, 49 powerful moving images from the aftermath of the Orlando shooting. And among those 49 images were only one ambulance, one fire truck, a few police vehicles. And that was it. But all the other images consisted of memorials and vigils being conducted on behalf of the dead and wounded, not from people that know them. They were being conducted on behalf of these dead and wounded Orlando sodomites the next day in San Francisco, in Berlin, in Sydney, and in other faraway places, including some Asian Pacific Rim nations. But none of these images, these 49 moving, powerful images from the aftermath of the shooting, none of them accurately reflected the aftermath of an actual mass shooting. None of them. A, a, a row of three sheriff's cars and an ambulance doesn't do it. But just like many similar events in the past... The alleged Orlando shooter also had repeated contacts and associations with government agents over the months leading up to the shootings, something which is all too frequent, but which never seems to raise suspicion in the mainstream media. And in this case, we found one informative article compiling the evidence at a website called LandDestroyer at blogspot.com. Once all the facts surrounding the Pulse nightclub shooting are put into the balance, the winner, once again, is world Jewry and the progressive agenda. Christians are deceived into having empathy for sodomites. And this is very powerful. The other day, and, and Melissa and I came to Bristol because her grandfather is in very poor physical very poor physical health and it's deteriorating and she had really wanted to see him one more time before God forbid he he, um, he goes to meet his maker so so we drove up here to Bristol and to be with her family and um, the first things the first words out of her grandfather's mouth when we sat down to talk to him were about the Pulse nightclub shooting. Now, he is a perfect product of media news. He watches it all the time. And and he was um, very sick last week, but he seems to have recovered enough to watch TV and carry on conversations now, even though he still needs help with a lot of his day-to-day um, chores. He can't shower and things things like that. He can't do his personal hygiene by himself. So, so he's. I'm glad we came to see him. The first words out of his mouth to his granddaughter were about how bad that shooting in Florida had been. 
And that showed us the effect that, you know, we're not in contact. We don't watch mainstream television, but we're not in, in contact with too many people who do. And he was a perfect example to us of how the general public, which is not aware of the media treachery, is being programmed to respond to issues just like this. A real Christian shouldn't care about those sodomites. And he's a Christian, and he believes he's a sincere Christian, but he's being he's been programmed through the media, through his local church, whoever his pastor is, to care about these people, or if they should be called people, in spite of their sin. Real Christians should understand that even if something like this happened, it's a judgment from God. We should be happy it happened, because these people are unrepentant sinners. Yeah, I think you're right. The um, The propaganda in uh, the mainstream media has been to recharacterize uh, the victims not as homosexuals, but as Americans. Uh, that seems to be the mantra, uh, by and large, from... Uh, the media horrors. And so uh, it's a type of cognitive dissonance when um, people such as Melissa's grandfather uh, doesn't relate to these alleged victims as homosexuals, but as Americans. Right. And, and here's and I've heard that so many people. Here's a man that's actually proud of what he had done during the Second World War. He believes he defended his country. We all have a different opinion of that. I understand it. But with 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 what he's been given, he must be judged. And we can't judge him badly for that because all of our parents and grandparents had bought, if they're Americans or English, had bought into that the propaganda, the false patriotism, the, the um, false sense of justice which was created for engaging in the war, and they believe it, and that's what they've been given, and most of them will never awaken to the truth until they get to the other side. That's just the way it is, and we should accept that, so I don't feel badly about the man for that, and I actually had no problem, you know, going to see him, and, and we can love him for what he is, but he's brainwashed, and he does accept this indoctrination into envisioning these sodomites as Americans, when in reality, they are anti-Americans. They are anti all of the basic fundamental principles of the ancestors of ours who founded this nation, they are anti-Americans in that respect. They're not Americans at all, but woe to them who call evil good and good evil. That's what's going on today in the world. So the winner in, in the Pulse nightclub shooting is the progressive Jewish agenda because Christians are deceived into having empathy for sodomites. An empathy which will be encouraged by the ongoing characterization of their victimhood. And because the shooter was a Muslim,
Americans will also continue to be persuaded to enlist in the cause of further wars for the rogue Zionist state in Palestine. And additionally, the gun grabbers will have still more ammunition in their ceaseless endeavor to disarm the American people. So for the Jews and the progressive liberal media, the Orlando Holocaust is a triple win. It's a, they get three hits out of that one. But even that is not the point which I'm endeavoring to make in this particular article. Whatever happened at the Pulse nightclub is truly of no concern to us. We have no care for dozens of dead sodomites, even if there were actually any shooting. In fact, we would prefer to see either the end of sodomy or the end of all sodomites, whichever must come first. Neither do we have any care for the Arab bastard that allegedly did the shooting. So for us, there is really no pulse to speak of. But the lack of a pulse in the body of Christ, that is our concern. While the nation is mourning its sodomites, it should instead be mourning its children, because they're building empathy for sodomites and pedophiles are next. There is absolutely no doubt. This has been building for a couple of years, and we spoke about it a couple of years ago, but we should probably speak about it again tonight. It was brought to, um, well, well there's one, and, and this is the attitude of many progressives on the left. There's one Rutgers Law professor who says that pedophilia is not a crime. It's a disorder. And here's another cognitive disconnect amongst the people. A law professor. It is not a law professor's function to determine what is or is not a crime. Crimes are defined by the people and their elected legislatures. That's the way, quote-unquote, democracy is supposed to work. Now, we as Christians know something better. We know that crime is defined by the law of God. But aside from that, in secular society... Crime is traditionally defined in democratic societies by people in legislatures, not by Rutgers law professors. But this was an op-ed that ran in the New York Times. It was reprinted in many local papers, and I'm actually reading it from Philly Magazine in, in from Philadelphia. And this is two years old, but... It's a year and a half old, but it reflects an ongoing trend amongst educators and social workers and child psychologists, and most of them are indeed Jews. Imagine that. This particular law professor is a Jewess named Margot Kaplan. Imagine that. She's a Jewess telling us that pedophilia is a disorder, but it's not a crime. And this is the descent down the slippery slope. My article goes on to discuss pedophilia at length, but perhaps we could reserve that that discussion mark because I, I would rather see you explain why Orlando changes nothing from your recent sermon notes. Okay. 
Have you uh, finished your notes there? Yeah, I mean, we could talk about we, we could talk about the pedophilia later. That's the next step in the great agenda. They get us feeling sorry for all these fags, these sodomites, and the pedophiles are next. They've already been working on it. We we can discuss the details a little later on, but I thought we would stick on the topic of Orlando for now. Okay. Um. Well, it really was kind of a strange. Um, succession of of not just the Pulse nightclub, but um, several other things that happened that same week. Uh, there was a singer uh, that uh, had competed on TV, a, a show called The Voice, and um, she was killed by one of her fans. And then... Um, at Disney World, there was a two-year-old toddler that was um, snatched away by an alligator. And uh, they didn't find his body until a couple days later. If I may just put a, uh, a biblical perspective, being that we're basically talking about uh, perversion tonight in our society, and Orlando uh, simply punctuates uh, that ailment of our nation. That's found in John three nineteen through 21. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that does evil hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest his deed should be exposed. But he doing the truth comes to the light in order that his deeds would be manifest, because it is with God that they have been accomplished. I think that says a lot right there. Uh, Between good and evil... And those that obfuscate uh, good and evil and and reverse good for evil. But uh, it's, it's, it makes me wonder, why Orlando? And uh, this is uh, evidently the, the um, Afghan uh, shooter in the nightclub was himself a pervert and uh, evidently is the winner of this year's highest body count at a gay bar with an AR-15. And in essence has popped the bubble in the Orlando venue that has touted itself as the happiest place on earth. Because of course, everybody knows that's the home of Disney world. And who also has hosted a gay pride day for many years. But, you know, the word gay used to mean happy. Not that long ago. But uh, cultural Marxism has made sure to call the good evil and evil good in this day and age of political correctness. So an unprecedented spotlight is now shining on what may be considered the gayest place on earth. Uh, as far as political expediency and uh, the 
propaganda from the establishment oligarchy. Now, this um, young lady that was shot by a fan, I, I found rather interesting that at uh, the eulogy uh, for his sister, her brother said, quote, she loved this town and she loved the Lord. And then he, he lumped the dead faggots who no longer had a pulse with his sister, who evidently he was nominating for sainthood, saying, quote, there was a huge tragedy to Orlando, to the LGBT community, and to the whole world, end quote. And then he asked for prayers for the dead and their friends and family. Well, so, so it uh, seems to be a, a double-edged psyop, is what you're saying. Well, yeah, because, I mean, uh, I, if I was a brother, I'd be mourning uh, for the loss of a loved one rather than promoting some kind of political agenda. Which is exactly what seems to be going on. Yeah. So, you know, there seems to be some kind of new age virus that is a far cry from the agape love of Christ, which is a higher duty to obey God rather than man, which is just put your head in a bucket of mud, I guess, while your home community and nation are going to hell. And uh, right there in Orlando at the... Um, the place where she uh, was had her singing engagement, uh, the marquee at the concert hall now has a message that reads, Remember Christina, remember Orlando. And most people, that'll just, you know, fly by, you know, go through one ear and out the other. But I got to thinking, well, remember what? What are we remembering? <laughs> What are they trying to impregnate in our mind? And uh, I guess it's that, you know, we should all be waving rainbow flags and uh, singing Kumbaya, riding unicorns at Disney World. I don't know. But um, we got a problem in America and Europe. Uh, it's a locust problem. And there's swarms of racial aliens that are devouring our land in one way or another. And speaking of new age, um, the Negress Attorney General, Loretta Lynch, had the audacity, or perhaps I should say new age imbecility, to suggest in light of the Orlando false flag operation that Radical Islamic terrorism can only be fought with love. And this is what the dark-skinned imbeciles running our nation represent when she said, and this is just unbelievable, Bill, it really is. I don't know if you've, you've heard this quote or not, but this is what she said. Quote, to the LGBT community, we stand with you. 
the good in this world far outweighs the evil. Our common humanity transcends our differences, and our most effective response to terror is compassion, its unity, and its love. We're the Department of Justice, and we're here to combat terrorism on our soil with love bombs. Pay attention, America. It works. Terrorists melt. They feel our collective vibe, and they drop their weapons and take their fingers off the explosive detonators. They fall to their knees and weep. Well, evidently, uh, she said this before the uh, the bombs went off in the uh, airport in Turkey the other day. And... Uh, that's, no, I, that, that's pretty blatantly incredible, but that's okay. It, it is. It really is. And I think uh, enough Americans perked up when they heard that and just said, what the heck did she say? I mean, it's just unbelievable. Well, you know, why Christian Americans should just say no. Take Nancy Regan's advice. She said no to drugs. We should just say no to all of these false flag operations because, I mean, there's so many now that we're just getting conditioned to it all. And uh, no sooner, you know, this, this broke a, allegedly a, a Guinness Book World Record of the largest mass shooting in American history, and it's almost a dead story. I mean, it seems it seems that they do that. Like they saturate the media with, with these yeah. the, these events for like two days, and then they evaporate. Well, I, I think it's conditioning, Bill. It's um, Pavlov's dog, where every time a bell rang, <laughs> the dog would be fed, and Pavlov kept uh, delaying the the feeding so that he could force the dog to salivate. And it, it's uh, Marxist dialectics. You know, you create a problem, then a solution in order to get your end product, what you desire. And so this is just a, a series of, um, of things to, uh, it's mind control, mass mind control, more so than mass shooting. <laughs> And uh, we should just say enough. And, um, you know, I, I think one of the things that's almost always uh, a knee-jerk automatic response um, is uh, a repeal to the Second Amendment. And sure enough, last week, the uh, Senate proposed four bills on the floor and all four were shot down. Uh, something that kind of surprised me is something that has never happened in American history. The, the Democrats staged a sit-down on the floor of the House of Representatives. Yes, I heard about I mean, that. It was uh, just a, a crazy um, filibuster of the mob. But of course, I also democracy that, uh, is rule of the mob, but... I'm sorry. Uh, 
I just want to interject that I also heard that most of the Democrats who who participated in a sit-in have firearms registered in their own names. But but that's okay. That's the hypocrisy of liberalism. I'm sorry. Well, that's very true. Or they have bodyguards. And if you uh, uh, ever see Hillary uh, out and about, you can you can be guaranteed that she's got at least uh, half a dozen to a dozen uh, armed Secret Service guys that are armed to the hilt. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it's incredibly um, hypocritical. You know, I'll tell you, the, the real saints aren't uh, this pop singer that touted herself as uh, a Christian, who, by the way, um, I don't think, I, I think she was a, a phony Christian because uh, she just didn't act like one. He, she um, held the stage with another group called Before You Exit, which is a rather ironic name for a group. But this it's, group a, it's an ironic name for a group who's featured with a girl that's about to die. <laughs> right, yeah. But um, uh, on stage, the members of this group were giving the, uh, you know, your forefinger and your pinky, which has been called the devil's horn, or if you're from Texas, the longhorn sign. Yeah. <laughs> But it, it was uh, more of a confirmation that there was something really wrong uh, with the group symbol. And it took me half an hour to track down what that symbol meant. And it's, the, it's like a, a triangle with a vertical line going down from its bottom and a couple of horizontal lines through that inside of a circle. Well, I finally found out that it's the alchemical uh, sign for the chemical phosphorus. And in occult circles, that is often uh, synonymous with Satan. Yes, the name, the word phosphorus actually means, bears the or same Lucifer. exact meaning that Lucifer, Lucifer means. Phosphorus yeah. is the Greek language version of the word Lucifer. And so there was an, a number of other very strange uh, fingerprints to this young lady and, and her brother, uh, which uh, was a far cry from her being a saint. But um, <laughs> the real saints aren't pop singers or Catholic clerics, but stout Christian men who will die for their God and race. And furthermore, in Jude, the book of Jude, he explains why we bear arms if necessary. Quote, for certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into promiscuity and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. How about that? 
Is this not talking about bastards and change agents usurping God's law today with the traditions of man and all you need is gooey love crowd? Well, well, Hillary's bodyguard should should be armed with cotton candy, flowers, and balloons. Well, I've seen pictures of them. They've got Uzis and uh, 45s. <laughs> but I thought love healed everything. Love would stop the terrorists. <laughs> well, that's what uh, Judeo-Churchianity would have you believe, that uh, the God of the Bible is the God of love. But they never tell us about the God of wrath. I mean, the same God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. He destroyed the Sodomites in Sodom and the Sodomites in Gomorrah, along with all the other perverts. Yes. And that's really what they should properly be called, is not gay people, but Sodomites. That would be the appropriate term. We, we often, I, I mean, I use the term homosexual sometimes. I disdain the term because it legitimizes the, the, the impulse that they follow. It, it, it makes it sound as though it's an alternative that is viable and healthy. It, it's a bad word, homosexual. But we sometimes have to use it in order to communicate the idea to others who don't even know what a sodomite is. I mean, there are yeah. plenty of people in this society today. It may not be true of your generation, your father's generation, but today there are plenty of under 40s who would look at you funny if you said sodomite because people yeah. no longer read the scripture. Well, as a matter of fact, um, I used to use the word queer quite a lot, but there again is a word that they've taken and and wallow in as a badge of honor. Uh, proud to be queer. But if I may continue in Jude, this is uh, Jude 1, verses 5 through 7. This is revealing also. Quote, Now I want to remind you, though you know all these things, the Lord first saved the people out of Egypt, and later destroyed those who did not believe. And the messengers, which kept not their first dominion, forsaking their proper abode, he has kept under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. In like manner, Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cities around them, who indulged in sexual immorality and pursued strange flesh, are on display as an example of those who sustain the punishment of eternal fire. That is indeed talking about the purveyors of fear porn and their altars to Baal, their ancient groves of abomination and, uh, and ritual murder. And, and the enemy is happy to provide... Um, as many rabbi trails, you know, I've changed that. It used to be rabbit trails. I think I'm changing it to rabbi trails, which would be more appropriate, it as there are people be. that will go down this or that path, taking the word of Jews. But for the Christian, and expressly in the identity Christian, 
we must navigate through the valley of shadows and death and let the Holy Spirit give us direction. Absolutely. It's the Word of God and the Holy Spirit which should supply our direction. And, and we would have to reject sodomites. What when the apostles had um when the apostles, as it is recorded in the Gospel of Luke, had had tried to ask Christ his opinion of the Galileans who had revolted against Rome and Pilate had mixed their blood with their sacrifices, meaning that he slew those Galilean rebels on a feast day or perhaps on a Sabbath, mixing their blood with their sacrifices. Christ I guess the apostles expected Christ to get upset about that, and he didn't. He told them instead that it would also happen to you unless you repent. It's very plain that when horrible things happen, no matter the vehicle for the the, the horrible things, that it's the judgment of God. God is ultimately in control of all things. Whether he allows our enemies to torment us, or, or whether he even uses people of our own kindred to punish us, when we're punished, it's the judgment of God. The Greek word crisis, krisis, meaning judgment, became the English word crisis, referring to a horrible occurrence. That's not a, a mistake, that crisis and crisis, they're basically the same word. Well, we definitely need to repent of the Antichrist Jew, but we also need to repent of the Antichrist Sodomite. And uh, I, I just mentioned uh, Baal or Baal uh, which was an ancient mystery religion and um, in in all of Christendom today and I remember Sheldon Emery saying there's a difference between Christianity and Christendom Christendom is just anybody and anything that calls it calls itself Christian whereas Christianity is the actual people who follow uh, Jesus Christ. And sad to say that most of the churches in America and the world, for that matter, I guess, today, are temples of Baal. They're, they're not really Christian churches. Well, absolutely, and, uh, because they, they are promoting illicit sex. They're giving permission to Christians to practice sodomy and telling them to love the sinner and hate the sin. But when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, he didn't destroy sodomy. He destroyed the people who had participated in that sodomy. Right. Uh, the difference between cause and effect, he went directly to the source of the problem. You cannot get rid of the idea. You can't destroy an idea. 
An idea is ethereal. A concept is ethereal. Sodomy is an idea or a concept. Can be removed from the minds of the people. It can be removed from the norms of society as it should be. But you can't destroy the idea. So God destroyed the people who embraced and employed the idea. Well, no doubt Baal worship will be with uh, mystery Babylon until it falls. And, um, you know, they're going about uh, as if they're the high and mighty uh, around the world these days. But I, I hear Babylon creaking and, and snapping and, and the beginning stages of it crumbling Otherwise, they wouldn't have to be doing all these drastic and desperate measures just to convince people or persuade people of, of, of their way rather than the real truth, way, and life from Christ. And uh, this high and mighty uh, pride is a matter of power and uh and, and pride when, uh, comes before a fall and exactly <laughs> the promotion and, uh, of pride <laughs> but you know uh the uh, <laughs> the arcs through throughout history have always persecuted the saints and uh and and christian identity is not given a fair shake because we, we stand on the law and the prophets. And um, a, a trademark of, of Baal worship, which you can see in Judeo-Churchianity, is the persecution of anybody that disagrees with them. And so, you know, they've gotten up so high and mighty now that they demonize anybody that is, is critical of these quote unquote Americans and rather than dirty, filthy sodomites. And in so doing, um, dovetail with a political correctness, which is another, uh, weaponized form of propaganda. Well, I can give you a anecdotal story here for a moment. Uh, I wonder if people listening, how they would feel if they spent years working on a degree to enter a certain profession and spent more time and energy on materials and promotion of this business and, and built up a clientele that was helped immensely. Uh, and within a couple of weeks, you lost 80% of your customer base through no fault of your service to the community or malfeasance or adverse side effects, but rather for what you believed in. How'd you feel about that? I would feel that it was a great travesty and, and injustice. Well, you know, this is exactly what happened to a Christian identity friend of mine who wishes to remain anonymous, who was forced to move and restart his business elsewhere. My identity friend 
gets a call one day from one of these um, creationist ministries who, of course, extols the virtues of fornication. And <laughs> point blank asked him, are you a white supremacist? As if that's the worst thing in the world. And that was the beginning of the end for my friend's business. The the cascade of cancellations began. And you know, Bill, I have to ask myself, is this the kind of country we live in where political correctness can ruin a white man's means to earn an honest living? And uh, I have to, uh, I'm not going to name names here tonight other than to say this was caused by that, I call him that dirty little preacher in Georgia who has become a nemesis of both yourself and me who refused to remove my friend's material from his website. And somehow some of his clients found this website and related my friend to the jerk that refused to remove it. Now, what kind of hypocrite in our community would do such a thing? Well, I would say the kind of hypocrite that ain't on our side. <laughs> well, well, right, he's working for the enemy, there's no doubt. What we well, have here is a case of cognitive dissonance, and I mentioned that earlier, where two opposing ideas coexist to usher in the worship of Baal. But if you're a Christian, you cannot serve two masters. It means you'll either be loyal to God or getting rich with false gods. And you can't be opposed to evolution and then say all races evolved from one parent in a shorter period of time than even Darwin would imagine. It's only the institution of Baal worship would and could castigate a nonconformist like us to their illicit doctrines as a racist. It's Baal worship that should be condemned and boycotted, not those of us who obey God and separate ourselves from the heathen, meaning non-white aliens or a culture of perversion. Now, We've used that word earlier. And the dictionary definition of perversion is the alteration of something from its original course, meaning or state, to a distortion or corruption of what was first intended. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5.9, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. And Paul gives an explicit admonition, which he exhorted before in letters, not to associate with fornicators. And this is the same context of Israel whoring after strange gods of strangers that led them into bondage. The whoredom is race-mixing. And immorality. And in verse 13, he says, Therefore expel the wicked from among yourselves. Now, this is telling us 
who's boycotting who. But the Baal worshippers of Judeo-Churchianity don't realize because they can't recognize that they are the wicked purveyors of whoredom. Now, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me, which means there will be those who purport to be Christians to whom Christ will say, I never knew you. Depart from me. When many are called, you are chosen. It may imply that we are called to understand the creator better than the creatures and that God is dealing with only one race to have the ears to hear him and not the propaganda of the Jews media. Our society is infected with an uncivilized virus that comes in the name of religion, which has no respect for life or property and maligns the liberty our founding fathers intended. And all you have to do is look at the demographic hell holes in major American cities like Detroit or St. Louis and ask yourself, hmm, what religion are they following? The homosexual movement is related to the racial divide because queers are trying to attach themselves to the civil rights movement, uh, much to the chagrin of some Negroes. And they've infiltrated the church. There's even some sodomites behind the pulpit. And it even goes to what some Catholics consider the only church the Pope and the Vatican, who said within the last year, who am I to judge, meaning the Sodomites? Good grief. The vicar of Christ can't judge what's within his own church? Some people think that um, the pedophile priest or priestcraft, should I say, has been taken care of. But I've read recently that it's, it's alive and well, and that nothing really has been done about it. It's, uh, it's this liberalism that Adolf Hitler talked about, and uh, kosher conservatism as well is by and large a sanitized retread of an antiquated mythology, one that predates the primitive church of Christianity. It aims its faith towards the rituals of convenience with the intent to produce economic prosperity. That's the carrot on the stick by prompting their god into action. The fertility gods have been replaced by reproductive freedom or choice. Child sacrifice via burnt offerings has been modernized by way of abortion. The ritualistic promotion of sexual immorality has been whitewashed through the comprehensive sex education. And the pantheistic worship of Mother Earth has been substituted for radical environmentalism. And now the overt lifestyle of sodomy is reckoned as normal love, and family through adoptions. 
that just makes me sick when I see two queers out in public with little adoptees. That's how far down the road. When I asked how much worse can it get, well, when that happened, I thought it couldn't get much worse than that. And there is no doubt that these children being adopted are being recruited. There is no doubt whatsoever that there we see these children in images of these quote-unquote gay pride parades marching along with their adopted parents, boys dressed like girls, little boys dressed like girls, little girls dressed like boys, butch haircuts, the, the parents perverting the sex of the children long before the children could actually make any sexual decision of their own. It, it's that they're training up a, a, a generation of perverts that will be twice fold the children of hell as themselves. Well, you were absolutely right, Bill, when you said we shouldn't be mourning for uh, these alleged dead sodomites. We should be mourning for our children. And in fact, um, it's not only adopted children. Um, we we know another uh, Christian identity uh, man and wife who uh, got in trouble with the law, and their children were taken away from them. And we heard that the foster family. Uh, was a Negro family, and one of their daughters, of the people that got in trouble with the law, was raped by a 13-year-old Negro boy. So that goes on, too, uh, in Child Protective Services. That's a government institution that has been taken over by pedophiles and homosexuals and predators upon our white young people by liberal progressives who are mostly Jews or prescribed to the Jewish cause of legitimizing sodomy and and that's you mentioned these um sodomites these homosexuals who attached themselves to the civil rights cause and that's exactly what went on they've made homosexuality they made it a status and as soon as it was recognized as a legitimate status they asserted civil rights and that is the same thrust that this Jewish Margot Kaplan has in her own New York Times op-ed and, and um, editorial written by somebody not on the editorial staff who in her op-ed had said that pedophile is a status and there are pedophiles who are non-practicing but because they're non-practicing doesn't make them not pedophiles. It gives them a status of non-practicing pedophile, which means that they could claim to be a class just like the homosexuals did, and they will attach, attach themselves to the civil rights movement. And as soon as they attach themselves successfully to the civil rights movement, 
pedophiles will no longer be prosecuted under law, just like sodomites at one time were prosecuted by the law in every state. There were laws against sodomy. You went to jail for public sodomy. Much in the same way as miscegenation. Absolutely. So it's another step down the, the route to legitimizing all corruption and all perversion because it's a status. Now you can have special rights. And, and instead of LGBT, it's now LGBTQ, and pretty soon it'll be LGBTQP. In fact, I'm surprised uh, it's not I, already. I can't keep up with it. I thought it was uh, bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich at first. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, uh, I might also add that um, they, they also, the perverts also have a cadre of lawyers, uh, much in the same way that Christ denounced, woe unto ye scribes and lawyers. And it's not just the ACLU, but this is coming out of academia, where uh, defending the rights of pedophiles is now part of the curriculum in law schools. Um, but, you know, this this does all this liberalism, all dolled up and gratuitously labeled Christian uh is in, in the guise of social justice. Uh, uh, it doesn't impress God in the slightest. This does not absolve any other Christian preacher or leader from their duty to renounce these anti-biblical heretics who have a pro-gay, pro-abortion, global warming agenda pushed by the modern-day Baal worshippers. The gods of liberalism have a new high priest in, I won't say president, he's the resident of the White House, Barack Obama, who himself, I believe, has been shown in his early days in Chicago to have been a sodomite. And with the uh, fad today of transgenderism, it appears that his wife, Michelle, or Michael, which have, whichever you will have it, is, is, a, um, is an it, <laughs> was a guy and is now a she, a she-male. I don't know. Whatever you call him. It. <laughs> it, it. It's how sick our society has really become. Even in the Republican Party, the, the GOP has a homosexual group known as the Log Cabin Republicans because evidently some people think Abraham Lincoln was a homosexual. They always look to legitimize their perversion by pointing out notable people and asserting that those notable people had the same perversion. Well, exactly. They did it with Thomas Jefferson uh, saying that he uh, produced... Um, uh, half-breed children, and it took two years for researchers to disprove that as mere poppycock and um, propaganda. But that's what they do. They'll take somebody famous. I mean, who's the next 
pedophile going to be? General George Patton, for crying out loud? Yeah, they'll, uh, they'll find some famous, some men that love children, and, and they'll try to call him a pedophile. I, I would bet. There's no stopping that. There's no stopping their insanity. I, I mean, that they'll Santa Claus is a pedophile, right? I, I mean, they'll pull some old pictures out of some notable figure or another and claim he's a pedophile. Well, from That's, an ecumenical perspective, um, who they say the Pope will be the head of uh, an eventual. Uh, one world religion, uh, Baal worship is conducive to the idea of all these denominations merging into one authority. And this is what the Catholic Church did for thousands of years until its corruption was uh, precipitated by a Protestant Reformation. You know, the land of Canaan was devoted to the worship of Baal, and the enemies of Israel were as evil as the Bible claims. And there's no reason to believe that God's wrath will not wipe them out for good at the end of this age. I think we're there. We're getting close, folks. Every passing day, the clock is ticking, and we're getting closer. And that gives me a little hope. But unless you're completely... Brain, a brain-dead universalist, uh, Jesus and Mary in the Roman Catholic Church are Baal and Ashtaroth, Ashtaroth, making paganism both acceptable and profitable merchandise. But using Christian terminology means nothing if one is trying to establish a pagan foundation. Is it Jesus or Baal that encourages race mixing or same-sex marriage and pedophilia that gives away God's promises to everybody that refuses to crucify the flesh on the cross. We must ask ourselves, how far are we from our own well-deserved judgment from, from the God of wrath? It would seem that the parable of the tares would be an appropriate payback, gathering them who offend and casting them in a furnace of fire. Who is living in the lap of luxury today at the expense of those poor in spirit? I think it's going to get worse, not necessarily for us, because we're looking at it from God's perspective. We're we're going to get through the darkness and into his marvelous light. That's what I think Christian identity does. It opens our eyes to the light of the world. I don't want to leave people on a negative note, but someone asked me, why is your identity thing so negative about everything? And the answer is, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, I will fear no evil. In fact, I will, I will fear no one calling good evil or evil good. Because the cup of iniquity is full, 
of abominations. I don't know how much fuller it can get, Bill, unless uh, they start having uh, bestiality marriages. Maybe that's what's next. I don't know. Well, well, that's coming down the pike. That's coming down the pike. In Canada, just a couple of weeks ago, a judge made a decision that it's okay to have sex with animals as long as there's no penetration. He didn't say what kind of penetration. He just said, as long as there's no penetration. From what I understand from the synopsis of the decision that I read, I don't know if that's accurate or not. It it begs further examination. But if judges start deciding that it's okay to have sex with animals... You you know, I have a, um, a video posted on a website of mine that I post, um off-color items quite often and this <laughs> particular website is called Lithobolus Lithobolus as in stone thrower lithobolus.net and and um the video is of a group at the Occupy Wall Street demonstrations back a couple of years ago and the group leader of these Occupy Wall Street people who are basically Marxists cultural Marxists, and and most of them are probably social and economic Marxists as well. Well, he's repeating these mantras, and the whole crowd is repeating them back to him. So he'll say something, and they'll say it just like they're being led to say it, and he'll say something else, and then the crowd repeats it, and he says something else, and the crowd repeats it, and it's basically an assertion of rights that these people claim to have, or should have, that they believe they should have, and one of the things that they say is, you can have sex with animals. Well, you know, that would be an interesting confrontation between them and uh, that animal rights group, PETA. <laughs> well, well, right, but I don't think um, PETA would really protest to having sex with animals. They just don't want you consuming the animals. They don't want you eating the animals. I don't know. I, I think the lines could um, might be a little blurry there that there could be the same people could probably assume both roles. Well, political correctness might get in the way. I always thought Peter should stand for people eating tasty animals, but that's... (laughs) Yeah. Well, that valley from uh, 23rd Psalms is full of bales. A dutiful watchman warns his kindred of the approaching storm. So do you kill the weatherman just because you don't like the dark clouds on the horizon? Let's look at two, the two following passages together. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Galatians 4.16 And then John 8.32 And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But we know who <clears throat> our enemies are, when seemingly well-educated and prosperous churchgoers turn their minds off to the mention of race or as if it didn't exist, and then have the audacity to play this head game of guilt for being white and intolerant. And I'll tell you something, Christian identity takes the guilt out of racism. 
we become their enemy because we refuse to roll over and play dead and, and tolerate an abomination. If God says something's an abomination, we say it's an abomination. And no church should tell us differently. The Bible tells us that God married Israel alone, got divorced because she committed adultery with other gods of other races, the Baals, but that there's going to be a remarriage. And the principle that the Bible-believing Christians should never forget is that what God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. But that is exactly what Baal worship does. Well, let's do what Christian identity does best and identify, which is why we're so hated by those whose fingerprints are matched to the crime scene. Well, one does not necessarily know that they're a Baal worshiper unless someone can show them that the elements correspond to what they practice. Now, I wish it were as easy as someone praying to a, a piece of carved wood or a, a rock, but it, it's a little bit more complicated than that. The idols of the heart are from within, and that sets the stage for what comes out of a man and defiles him. A homosexuality is very definitely an element of Baal worship. Um, when I gave um, my message on this subject, Baal worship and Judeo-Churchianity, I uh, called some folks in our congregation who had children, and I wanted to get their opinion on how to handle this subject, and we agreed that the enemy would probably gloat over the free advertising. So since that time, I, I really have never gone into saying a lot about that chosen lifestyle of these degenerates. And I found a passage in Ephesians 5.12 that confirms our responsibility to limit our speech in that regard. And Ephesians 5.12 says, For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. The problem is that it's not a secret anymore. They're out in the open. They're marching down Main Street. And the Baal worshipers are literally walking with them hand in hand. And they're being ordained as ministers and performing same-gender weddings. It's only a matter of time before they'll start demanding the adoption of children and the legalization of pedophilia. But be of good cheer. God's law gives us the right to be free from the criminals of Sodom. And if you recall, King Asa's Heart was perfect with the Lord all of his days. Took away all of the Sodomites out of the land and removed all the idols. First Kings 15, 11 through 14. And they will be removed again. As you said, Bill, pride goeth before destruction. Now I have with me tonight uh, 
a reference source straight out of the Talmud. You mentioned pedophilia isn't specifically mentioned in the Bible, and it's not directly, although Jesus said not to harm one of these young ones. Well, well, right. Pedophilia is not mentioned in the Bible, but that, I believe, is for cultural reasons. First, the law that a man shall not lie with mankind or he be put to death, that would proscribe um, men sleeping with boys. It would prohibit men sleeping with boys as well as men sleeping with men. So that eliminates the great number of pedophiles. That does yeah. prohibit that sort of pedophilia. Now, girls in the ancient world, um, like it or not, girls were seen as property of the father. And the father had property rights over his daughter. Did he take his daughter to bed? Well, no, that would not have been considered normal, I'm certain. Can I prove that? Well, no, I can't really prove that. But there are laws against relationships between fathers and daughters, mothers and sons, that would also prohibit that. So the father having property rights over his daughter, would the father want to give his daughter at a premature age to another man to use as a sex toy? Now, that's a question that the um, the law doesn't answer, but common sense does. And Christianity, as you have just stated, in Christianity, Christ exhorts us not to harm these children because those who do harm children are going to suffer an equally severe punishment, or perhaps not a more severe punishment. So pedophilia is really prohibited by the spirit of the law, if not in letter. And the only reason why it's not prohibited in letter is because other um, acts have been, have been codified in a law which would eliminate most of the opportunities for pedophilia. So it didn't need to be prohibited in Scripture. Right, and Leviticus 20.13 that you cite there, uh, that's it. It's, it's the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law, which uh, um, some try to twist uh, to their own uh, demented proclivities. But speaking of demented proclivities, um, the Talmud justifies... This um, uh, lifestyle, or, or what did you call it, that the the, um, the eggheads are calling it? I, I'm sorry, the, the, the status. The status. Of, it's a status. They're trying to make it a status now. So the that status they is justified in the Talmud. And I'd like for people and anybody that's not Christian identity tonight, we already know this. Uh, but for anybody that's that's wandered into this program tonight, I'm going to tell you right now, straight out of the Talmud, what Jews believe. And this is the institutionalization of child molestation in the religion of Judaism. 
both for boys and girls. In the Gemara, Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav, not in the name of God, but some Jew, if a young boy less than nine years old has intercourse with a grown woman, his act places her in the category of a woman who has been injured by a stick. In other words, the object of sodomy, if a, a boy under the age of nine perpetrated sodomy upon an adult, the adult is not liable for punishment or the intercourse of a boy under nine years of age is not legally an act of intercourse. Since, now here's the, the letter of some law saying, since a child less than nine years old cannot commit sodomy, he cannot also be the object, be, he can also not be the object of sodomy, end quote. In the B.T. Sanhedrin 69b, it is argued that a woman having sex with a boy less than nine is an act that is exempt from punishment and therefore permissible and does not render her a prostitute or disqualify her from marrying a Jewish priest because sex with male children less than the age of nine is not considered sex. The actual reference in Sanhedrin 69b is to is to have sex between a mother and her son. But if her son is less than nine years of age, then it's rabbinically permissible for her to engage in it with him. And then with little girls. If a girl is less than three years old, it is permitted to be secluded with her, which I'm sure is a euphemism. Likewise, if a boy is less than nine years old, a woman is permitted to be alone with him. If a grown-up man has intercourse with a little girl, it is nothing. For having intercourse with a girl less than three years old is like putting a finger in the eye. That is found in B.T. Ketubot 11b. So though the Talmud's permission for the heinous crime of child molestation is virtually unknown among the public and is never mentioned in the establishment media, among Talmud researchers, these quotations I just proffered are notorious. Most of these acts of perversion performed between Orthodox Jewish men and young boys or Orthodox women and young boys are hushed up thanks to a culture of silence because in the Talmud, um, a moser is one who stoops to inform an informant on a fellow Jew, which is technically a death penalty offense drawn from the halakhic concept of Messiah, defined as handing over a Jew 
to an anti-Semite state government that could do harm to the Jew in question. Under such circumstances, the criminality of the Jew is not an issue. One who informs on a Jew or his property has no share in the world to come. So how about that? Well, well, that's absolutely true, and I've long known those passages were there. It, it's um, it, it's rather disgusting, but that reveals the the Talmud over and over again reveals the true nature of the Jew, the nature that is never, never um, displayed on mainstream media, television, or in Hollywood movies, because the Jews simply won't tell on themselves in, in, in that manner, to that extent. Not even the self-hating Jews actually go there, that, that I've ever seen yet. But it's not only the Jews, it's also the, 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 the Muslims. Muhammad was a pedophile. He, he, took a, he took wives of six-year-old girls. Islam was built on pedophilia. Now, Muslims protect girls because girls are worth money. So, if they're unmarried, they can't be touched un, until, they're, until they're promised to somebody and the father gets a dowry. They cannot be touched. And they're kept under wraps, and all women are kept under wraps because the women are worth money to the Muslims and and um and their children and the boys, therefore, the boys, the Muslims find it acceptable, and there are all sorts of public reports now i I mean I've known about this for years simply because I knew guys new men, including my own son, who testified of this to me, that these Muslims in Iraq, in Afghanistan, and, and these other war zones, were commonly found in bed with little boys, boogering little boys. And our American soldiers returning from these areas of um, conflict more and more of them are coming out and stating this, that these Muslim men are rather promiscuous little boy buggerers. Now, aside from that, they, they have no qualms about sex with goats and sheep, but since the girls are protected because they're worth money and they're kept under, they're kept under their burqas and, and the, um, adulteresses are punished with death and and that's not really because of anything um, bad that the women did that's because the man lost his property rights were violated so the woman has to die that that's the way that's treated that the um, the little boys are basically open house because the girls are protected the little boys can get buggered all the time so the Muslims are pedophiles just as largely as the Jews. There should be no doubt. It's part of their it's part of their fabric. It's part of their um that their daily life, and it's normal to them. So we it's have cultural. um 
Well, one of the places, and yes, it's cultural. And one of the places, it's not only cultural, it's spiritual. It's innate in them. They're just omnisexual beasts. But they protect the girls because there's money involved and, and they're more valuable. Where the boy is, um, he'll grow up to be a man and, and in turn do the same things. But he's not monetarily valuable in that aspect to his father. So the fathers don't care about their, their son's rectums, I guess. The, the, um, the danger in this is this, and, and this is sort of going to be, I believe, a back door to introducing pedophilia into the Western world, and, and that is that a German judge has recently ruled that a Syrian refugee immigrant, whatever he is, who had a 14-year-old quote-unquote wife, could keep his wife because they were married before they got to Germany, and Sharia law allows him to keep his wife, so then German law should allow him to keep his wife. And, and that was basically the ruling this German judge made. That's a backdoor to pedophilia. If the Syrian can have a 14-year-old Syrian wife, Next, he'll claim that he could have a 14-year-old German girl for a wife. And, and if he pays money to the parents or, or gets control of this girl somehow from the parents, who's to say no? If the parents are willing to surrender their daughter, who's to say no? And that's Sharia law. These people, that these people out in the mainstream that don't understand what Sharia law is... Um, a lot of them are anti-feminist, and, and they see women in burqas and say, oh, they're modest people. They have morals better than we do. And, and that's a big mistake, because those women are in burqas for a different reason other than we may suspect, and Sharia law endorses pedophilia. Well, the burqas may just be uh, the uniform of terrorists. What better way to hide your face... <laughs> And, and weapons uh, than a burqa. Well, well, right, but the women are kept under wraps over there as well. I, I mean, there are cultural reasons for that, tied to the value of the women. But they don't mind boogering the little boys on a daily basis, and they do. Well, it truly is an alien invasion of uh, Europe right now, uh, in which there are all kinds of... Um, uh, sex crimes uh, being perpetrated against white people. Uh, one could almost say it's, it's g getting into epidemic proportions. And, and it's coming here. Absolutely. And, there was uh, a, that, I, I didn't hear the details yet, but there was a case in the, um, in the Northwest, perhaps Montana or Idaho, what, where three Muslims originally, allegedly raped a young girl. I, I just caught a, a brief glimpse at such a case just the other day. I didn't see the details. Well, uh, it doesn't help when we have um, uh, a, a janissary, which is a, a two-sided, two-faced uh, individual, and I'm referring to Hillary and, and Donald Trump. And, and I put them in the same lump because evidently Donald Trump now has gone 
with the uh, the queers by declaring that Orlando quote strikes at the soul of who we are as a nation and is an assault on the ability of people to love who they want and express their identity, end quote. That could mean a lot of things, but even uh, the immigration thing, which initially launched his viability with a lot of white nationalists, he's now backtracking and says, well, we might not deport all of the Muslims. I have no so, doubt that he's going to sell them out. I have no doubt. They're gonna. I, I I said it two years ago, and and I'll say it again. I think Donald Trump exists to make white nationalists look stupid. Now, I gave a um. Uh, I, I did a program six months ago on the options that the the three ways I thought Donald Trump could possibly turn out, but I'm still persuaded that he's just going to be a sellout, a, and the other two options are never going to be viable at all. They're never going to materialize. Well, he's look, um, and, and he's looking more and more like a sellout with, with, each, with each succeeding day. It's hard to relate to your average American um, who are oblivious to a real conspiracy that, that we have worldwide. Um, in regard to uh, homosexuals and pedophiles, there, there definitely are pedophile rings in the upper echelons of government. There was a scandal several years ago in, in Britain, as a matter of fact, uh, where several members of parliament uh, were exposed uh, as uh, clients and... Um, and uh, Gandhi Camp wrote a book several years ago called The Franklin Cover-Up, which also brings it to the, the upper echelons of starting with presidents and their cabinets that um, uh, have this proclivity for perversion. Uh, in fact, uh, one of the must-go places is the Bohemian Grove uh, in California. Uh, Richard Nixon went there once. He says, I've never seen so many damn perverts in one place. Uh, but it's a place where they go to be served sexually of all ages and uh, all um, uh, uh uh, I can't think of the word they use, but uh, the, the proclivity that they're prone to practice. But there is one thing in the foreword to John DeCamp's book that was written by William Colby, former CIA director. And I just want to read a short paragraph that he was speaking to John DeCamp, who was a senator from Nebraska. He said, you, what you have to understand, John, is that sometimes 
There are forces and events too big, too powerful, with so much at stake for other people or institutions that you cannot do anything about them, no matter how evil or wrong they are, and no matter how dedicated or sincere you are, or how much evidence you have. That is simply one of the hard facts of life you have to face. You have done your part. You have tried to expose the evil and wrongdoing. It has hurt you terribly, but it has not killed you up to this point. I am telling you, get out of this before it does. Sometimes things are just too big for us to deal with, and we have to step aside and let history take its course. For you, John, this is one of those times, end quote. And uh, unfortunately, William Colby was murdered in a so-called canoeing accident. He was a avid canoeist, uh, uh, boating almost on a daily basis in the Potomac. Even his daughter said that he was killed. Uh, and it's probably because he uh, understood uh, the expose that uh, John DeCamp had exposed in Nebraska uh, with some very uh, big wig Republicans, including the Bush family, and on down the line. Well, well, right. And and in this article that I'm I'm in the midst of writing, which I had presented the first half of here, there is no pulse. I, I had cited an article which I wrote, uh, um, maybe I don't I don't know five years ago called "Lambs to the Slaughter," which discussed that John DeCamp book and and the Franklin scandal, along with um. The Bryce Taylor book and the Kathy O'Brien books, which were both about the organized pedophile rings in high places in government. And I am also discussing that the um, several of the scandals, you had mentioned one of them, I, I believe that, um, I believe the one that you are referring to it is probably the Dolphin Square scandal, where many high-level British politicians, um, several high-ranking conservative ministers of parliament, were caught up as clients in a pedophile ring, being serviced by, by um, non-governmental people from outside. Well, well um... There was also the Greville Janner case recently where a high-level Jewish leftist Labor Party politician was um, was basically going to be brought to tile, trial for pedophilia and died. He avoided the trial for years. And there's another notable case coming to the fore in Britain right now um, involving Gordon Anglesey. And he was a... Um, a noted police chief from the 1980s and 90s who was investigated for um, pedophile activity in the 1980s and actually won a large libel suit against some of the media that were publishing um, elements of the investigation and, and um, having a successful suit, he was never prosecuted for his pedophilia. So he's finally being brought to trial 
this year. And the Gordon Anglesey case is um, full of suggestions of Freemasonic intrigue and the fact that he was actually protected by people in high places. And that's the um, thrust behind these grooming rings, these Islamic grooming rings. And I believe that the reason why nothing is really being done, I mean, there is things being done. There were um, several Muslim men who got slap on a wrist, 10-year, 15-year, whatever, jail sentences, in Rotherham, in the Rotherham case, and they had basically um, destroyed sexually as many as 1,400 young girls in Rotherham. Now, there's another new case in Halifax, not Halifax in Nova Scotia, Halifax in England, in Yorkshire, and 25 Muslims have been arrested and I believe that 13 of them were recently 13 Muslims were recently sentenced to a collective 150 years in prison for destroying the lives of young white girls in Halifax and grooming them for sex slavery and 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 that this has been ongoing since 2006 and and there's another um I forget the name of the town. It might be Rockdale or something like that in in Britain, where, where there's another pedophile ring that's been in, uncovered. Now, the Halifax case, initial reports said that it was going to be even bigger than Rotherham. That hasn't materialized yet. But if it's anywhere near as big as Rotherham, why is it that the basic... Um, cause of these grooming gangs, which is the Muslims themselves, why is it that they are simply not being taken out of British society? But we have to ask that if so many of the nation's ruling class, these um, many high-level cabinet officials and elected officials, are themselves pedophiles, and, and there's so many cases over the years that have proven that many of them are. How can we expect the government to protect children from Muslim pedophiles? It plays right into the agenda that these high-level pedophiles have all along, which is basically to normalize, to legitimize pedophilia, to make pedophiles a class with a status and eventually decriminalize it so that anybody could have sex with your kids. That's why they're not doing anything about Rotherham. That's why they tried to keep it under wraps. In fact, recently, the um, UKIP party, it's kind of a nationalist um, independent, independence, independence from the EU is their basic platform, but it's kind of a nationalist British British party, they recently had a sheriff elected, their first sheriff in um, in Rotherham, and they were accused by the progressive liberals as exploiting the Rotherham incident to get politicians elected. Well, if your politicians are allowing your daughters to be raped by Muslims, shouldn't that be an issue in the next election? 
I mean, isn't that only normal? But the leftists were actually offended that it was an issue in the election and accused UKIP of exploitation, exploiting the victims. The leftists would rather brush it all under the rug and carry on business as usual. There's no well, end to the Rotherham scandal. In in um, there's um, a website with a strange name, GreenTeethMM.com, and they're posting information, ongoing information that the mainstream media really isn't posting. They're posting information, continuing the Rotherham travesty, where there's more victims that have been located, where um, many police officers have been put under investigation. I don't know how long these investigations are going to be allowed to go on, and the media isn't, the mainstream media isn't really saying much about them, but there are people in Britain that still care. It's just not the high-level politicians who would rather see the pedophilia made legal well no doubt um this information is in the public domain uh although not in the mainstream media uh there's also the the rich jewish billionaire with his uh private jet um escorting uh his friends uh to a a private island uh with children well the epstein case right one of the Epstein, and one of his uh, celebrity passengers is Bill Clinton. Now, this information is in the public domain, and yet Donald Trump remains silent. What's wrong with that picture? Well, well, right, but his name might be on a list, too. I mean, I don't know, but maybe some (laughs) of his friends and supporters have names on that list. There's no doubt that this this problem is, um, and, and this corruption is rampant amongst the members of the ruling class, the upper classes, the money classes, whatever you want to call them. And that's why there's nothing being done about it. These are the same people that are causing us to be overrun with aliens and all the world's perversions. There was something you posted in your forum about uh, a guy that uh, turned himself in to the Santa Monica Police Department because the shooter in Orlando was killed. And evidently he knew him and was supposed to uh, conduct a similar uh, atrocity in California, but he said the, the Omar wasn't supposed to be killed. And uh, now the whole Santa Monica Police Department is going to decide whether or not this needs to be revealed or not. It's a big crack in the Titanic. And well, well, uh, uh, Right. I've been trying to um, get around to follow up on that and see if anything's come of it. I haven't been able to. So maybe you did. I'm happy you did. Well, it's just one more thing where I see uh, Babylon crumbling at the seams. We can only pray. It's, uh, How much worse you know, it can get? I don't know. But we, we don't know half the crimes. I mean, if, if, if 2,800 girls in 
Britain had been groomed that we know about, and, and that's an exaggerated number. It's 1,400 in Rotherham and, and hundreds elsewhere. If that many have been groomed that we know about, how many are there that we don't? And wherever Muslims are, this is going to happen. It's got to be happening in Germany, in France. It has to be happening. Because that's what Muslims do. It's part of their jihad. They admit that. It, it's part of their historic record. Well, uh, Bill, when the disciples asked Christ, uh, when would be the time of his return, being that he said he was going to be leaving them, he said it would be as in the days of Noah, and then in Luke he adds another clue, as in the days of Lot. Well, right. And, Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, I haven't delved into the plethora of evidence to prove that uh, Orlando was a loosely choreographed drama with with drama queens and, and media whores because there's a greater import that begs our attention and focus. And if we understand biblical principles, we cannot be manipulated by unscrupulous deceivers. If we place our values in the word of God, we will not be persuaded by rabbi trails and propaganda. There cannot be false flags without false shepherds who embrace the rainbow flag of sodomy. And you know how fitting that the rainbow was a sign after the flood that Christ is returning as in the days of Noah. Identity thieves who walk among us and do not comprehend their wicked violations tell you the rainbow had nothing to do with the cause of destruction. It is tantamount to calling good evil and evil good. Well, right. No doubt. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. My last thought is the light is our victory. No doubt. I, that, 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 we're guaranteed. Running out of time here. that we are guaranteed. That the only question is how bad things must get before we realize it. Well, it's pretty bad. Thank you for joining me, Mark. Praise Yahweh. Thank you, Bill. Good night.